Welcome everybody to Common Sense Christianity. I'm Ethan Foster, your host here today with another episode. If you're new to the podcast, be sure to share it. If you like it, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, five-star rating. And if you have any questions, you can email me at commonsensechristianitypodcast at gmail.com. The verse of the day is Ezekiel 36, 26, and it will give you a new heart and it will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Again, that's Ezekiel 36, 26, um, NLT version. Last week, well, last Sunday, I should say, uh, we opened up the discussion on morality, on objective morality, and talking about how that can relate to atheism and how atheists can have no objective moral standard to abide to, but rather it's just a moral opinion. Well, I'm going to deal with another moral question today uh, and just give some thoughts on it uh, for you, the audience. A very common question that has been asked for millennia uh, ever since the Christian faith was founded is why doesn't God save everyone? Or even the the Calvinist versus Arminianist debate of, of how God saves people or who are God's elect. These are some very interesting questions that I spend a lot of time and a lot of effort trying to figure out the answer to. And they're all quite interesting and very good explanations for them. Some aren't, but it's to figure out the best for our understanding. So I will first say this to the question, why doesn't God save everyone? Now, me coming from more of an Arminianist perspective, I'm not completely that. I do agree that God does some elect some people, but that's a topic for a different episode. I I would say this, that it is a choice for the most part to accept God or not. So when God creates the creation, creates Adam and Eve, he, he says, look, here is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Uh, I don't want you eating from there. And this is God saying, hey, you have a choice to either choose me or to choose the opposite way. So from there on, we see that God gives man the choice of free will. Do what you want or do what I want. Do my will or your will. And so it starts from here. And of course, man chooses his will. And subsequently, sin was brought into the world. So from there, we understand that God allows the choice of human beings. Even though he can force it upon us, he allows us to have our own free reign. Um... and subsequently he has to punish us for that because he's an ultimately just God. But he says, look, if you want to deal with these consequences, you can have it right away. So moving on to the time of Christ, when Jesus dies and God provides a way for those who want him, but are in sin to be ultimately just and reconciled through Christ's blood, he allows them to come into his presence because they are cleaned by Christ. But there are still those who will reject him, and those people will be separated from God. It's very simple like that. It is by free will that we either decide to accept God or reject God. And if you reject God, you're in ultimate rebellion against him. And if you accept God, you are now part of uh, the kingdom of heaven. It's that simple. There is no other morally justifiable way. If If universalism existed, then that would mean that God is forcing everyone to go into his presence, even if they don't want to, which would make him an unjust God. And the opposite, if God elected people 
and it didn't give people a choice, that would make him unjust because he's just choosing people to uh, come into his kingdom. And therefore, he chooses people from the adverse effect to go to hell and takes good pleasure in torturing him, even though he predestined the events. Uh, so to the question of, of why doesn't God save everyone, it would be morally unjustified if he did. He certainly could force all of us into his presence, but that would not be morally justifiable. It would be morally unjust, because if you spend your whole life trying to escape God, trying to escape his love, his presence, his mercy, his forgiveness, and his laws, and then all of a sudden you find out that God exists and you're like, hey, I want to go to heaven. It's like, no, you spent your whole life going away from me. You chose this. And I will give you that choice. It will be evil to force him into God's presence because that is not his choice. God allows us free agency. God allows us free will uh, to a certain extent. And this is the rights that God has given us. And I think it's a very beautiful right that we can choose God or reject him. Uh, so from there, we find out that this is a only morally justifiable stance that God cannot save everybody because he allows us free agency. Everyone can accept God, but God will not force you to accept him. So from there, we find out this is the only way that it can be properly done, ladies and gentlemen. And it's the only morally justifiable way. And then the atheist so ignorantly says, well, why, why does he save everybody? Why, why does he do that if he's all powerful and he's all knowing and all loving? Why does he save everybody? The atheist in themselves is contradicting their very question because they themselves don't want God. I mean, it, it, it's a totally... Uh, incomprehensible position to take if you're an atheist. Why complain about it? If God doesn't exist, there's nothing to complain about. That's the interesting thing. Atheists spend their whole lives just bashing God when God doesn't even exist. I don't spend my life bashing Santa Claus to little children, even though he doesn't exist. It's things like that. Or even, even that, what I just said, could be... Um, can be argued against, but but just looking at the at the pure logic of it, people like Christopher Hitchens, who dedicate their whole careers to going after Christianity or religion in general, because they find it harmful to society. But what is harmful? Define that for me. Oh, can you not? Oh, it's damaging human society. Why is that a problem? It's evolutionary beneficial. Isn't that all that matters? See, they they take Christian and religious principles to justify their positions, even though their positions cannot be justified without a God. I hope you can see the circular, circular logic that they use. It's a very bothersome position that they hold. We'll get into it more next time. This is Common Sense Christianity.